0: Throughout 70s disaster season we've survived fires, capsized boats and deadly toxins but today we tackle a new kind of threat. This one stars Michael Kane, who probably remembers this as much as he does Jaws 4. Today we discuss The Swarm. Welcome everyone to the collector's cut I am Peter
1: and joining me as always is David in all your failsafe techniques did you ever consider the possibility of killer bees
0: this is the movie podcast everyone we are doing 70s disaster season 2 in fact this is our second time going through 70s disaster movies and yep. we're doing the swarm on this episode before we get into it i'll just say if you enjoyed the show hit the like button it helps us out a lot if you do and of course you can support us over at patreon patreon.com slash mailfuzz tv where you can get bonus shows i'll tell you more about them at the end but consider those things please thank you mm-hmm. uh Anyway, on The Swarm, we will start spoiler-free, as we always do, and we'll yes. give you warning before we dive into it. This is from 1978. It is directed by Irwin Allen, who I think produced Towering Inferno, but did not direct Towering Inferno. He
1: directed the action scenes in Towering Inferno. Oh, okay. But he was not, like, the overall director. But you're right, he did produce. Yes. Okay, For, fair enough, fair enough. Uh,
0: I don't think he was listed as that, uh, wherever I was looking at the
1: the credit. Yeah, no, it's only solely through Wikipedia where it gives a little extra note saying directed the action This scenes. is a
0: little stealth. I wonder if this was like a like a, a
1: union thing. You just wasn't allowed oh, to no, get yeah. credit for it. Yeah, Director's Guild, I'm sure, not. like the producer and director cannot be the same. Stop it. Well, that's certainly changed in the last <laughs> 60 years. Uh, yeah, so this is a little bit
0: different from some of the other disaster movies we've done. This is about Bees. Cue Nicholas Cage yelling about bees from the Wicker Man remake. Uh, There's (sighs) killer bees traveling across Texas. And Michael Caine and some other faces we'll get into in a bit when we go through the cast have to try and put a stop to the deadly bees. Yep. That's the premise. I hadn't seen this before. I'm pretty sure David hadn't seen this before. No, I have not seen this before. So... We'll, uh, we'll get into it, I suppose. Uh, David, hmm.
1: how did you feel about The Swarm? You know, Pete, whenever I go into these movies, I do my absolute damnedest to go in blind because I, I want to be surprised. I want to not know as much as possible. Obviously, I know it's a disaster movie because that's the season. Obviously, I know it's 70s. But I didn't know much more than that. So as I'm watching and I'm thinking, huh, I have some strong opinions on this film. I go onto the Wikipedia page and I just browse for a little bit and I hit the bottom where it says Oh, you had related, the bottom all right. Related pages, uh, list of films about killer bees, which I'm shocked there's a page for, and then Sounds list, like a season of to me. Film, list of films considered the worst. And I don't disagree. (laughs) This movie is just so bafflingly done where nothing matters. Like the entire time they're doing all these things of like, oh, these bees are attacking. But at no point does it feel like anything actually has stakes throughout this entire movie. And then the line readings are some of the funniest things I have seen that's
0: that's what I was about to say is that the one thing I can give it is that it's actually pretty funny unintentionally funny at times obviously Michael Caine is a celebrated actor he just retired Mm -hmm. recently he was working for like longer than most people live (laughs) basically and some of his lane readings in this are so funny because I mean I think it's not even that he's doing a bad performance I think it's a case of The script never really got a second draft, so all of the dialogue just feels like, here's a PowerPoint presentation we stole from a school about bees. Michael, yell that, because you're passionate in this scene. That's
1: that's the part that gets me so much. It's like the stuff he gets passionate about is insane (laughs) to me, because he is actually just shouting out statistics to this man, as if this is the (laughs) ride-or-die moment of his career. We know that the bees came
0: from Africa! They came from Africa. Seventy-six percent of the I bee- I can't do Michael Caine, so this is the best again. No, yeah,
1: but like I get it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is the best again. Uh, yeah, uh, baffling, god. baffling. Uh, and there's also a funny side effect to the bee stings,
1: which we'll talk about. Oh my god, <laughs> it's it's. That's what convinced me that this was a first draft. That nobody looked this over and said that's kind of stupid. Yeah, I don't know if it's just a case of Urban Allen got like carte
0: blanche to just go do whatever and no one was overseeing it because oh he made some big hits for us so we just trust them
1: if you look at the order of things his production was poseidon adventure followed immediately by towering inferno followed immediately by this so i think Mm. he might have gotten carte blanche to do whatever
0: and it was not a good idea uh nope. so we'll we'll get into all the
1: specifics and whatnot we'll go through the cast here we'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit uh obviously Real quick before we nope. go cast uh you messaged me beforehand and pointed out that oh there are two versions of this movie well okay so the reason why i sent
0: david this is because after we did tower and inferno which was like two hours and 45 minutes I checked the run times of the rest of the season to see is there any other nasty surprises and nothing was really over two hours, some were even as low as ninety minutes. I was like, okay, they're mm-hmm. all normal length that's fine. And and in the back of my head, I remember thinking, I could have sworn the swarm was like absurdly long. And I I just mm-hmm. like something's not not right here. And then when I went to actually go look at the movie, I noticed the runtime on the version I had access to was two hours and thirty-five minutes. So I look right. it up and it turns out that there was a version that was heavily cut that was about two hours long, but the version released in the US and the UK, and seemingly the majority of the world, the one that's readily available on streaming services or digital rentals mm-hmm. and Blu rays, all these things, are all the longer cut. They're all the two hours and 35 minute version.
1: I that was the most disappointing moment for me because I saw you sent that message before I watched the movie and I was like, oh okay, I'll just watch the shorter one. Oh, then. you had no and chance. And I couldn't find it. It <laughs> <Yeah>. was nowhere. <laughs> I knew you uh. were going to find it. Uh
0: yes, yes. Because uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing. Uh, apparently, oh, we'll talk a bit more in spoilers, but there's basically like one element of the the plot that was for whatever country didn't like it or didn't want it in its in the in its tears. There was one element oh of the plot that was completely cut out, and it's not like a contained part. It's something that runs throughout the movie. So when I actually watched it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how this amounts to over 35 minutes because it is cutting out an entire thing that's running through I... the whole time.
1: Honest to God, I don't know what plot you're talking about because there's so many things that I, I would I say just it. cut.
0: I don't want to say it until spoilers, but yeah. Right, right. Uh, that's fair. That's we'll, fair. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. So the cast, we got Michael Caine. Who was mm-hmm. in Beyond the Poseidon Adventure? We did that as a Patreon bonus uh, when we did Seventies Disaster Season One. So yep. his two <laughs> movies in this genre not looking so hot. Uh, we got Catherine Ross, who most she's probably most famous for The Graduate. Although I think a Stepford Wives, the original first okay. w- when I when I see her, uh, mm-hmm. and I like her well enough. I was like, oh, that's a, I, I recognize this name. That's cool. Um, mm-hmm. We actually have someone from Tower of Inferno. The shitty son-in-law from Tower of Inferno is in this as a scientist. He's got a beard, though,
1: yep. so you might not catch him immediately. It just sounds like C-3PO. You must not have recognized me on account of my arm. <laughs> and then
0: you have Henry Fonda showing up as a scientist. But frankly, the most important role. And this was a surprise because when I, when I glanced at the cast before the movie, I saw the first three or four names and I was like, OK, I'm expecting this, this and this. But way down the cast list, and he's only in one scene. Hmm. But B movie legend Cameron Mitchell has a small role in this movie, ah, yes and I is. popped, I popped for him. <laughs> um, He's no doubt going to be a mainstay on our Patreon show extra reels. In fact, he's already been in one of them. He was in Deadly Prey, so he. It was, I, I, I It took me a second. It's like I was like, he looks familiar, and then he started getting a bit more loud. Because he always yells mm. in the bad movies he's in. And as soon as he yelled something a little bit, I was like, oh, it's Cameron Mitchell. I know exactly who this is. Yeah. So that that that, that popped me a little bit. Oh,
1: God. I remember him now. I, I didn't... Obviously, I haven't seen as many B movies as you, but I remember him starting to yell.
0: Yes. He was the one in Deadly Prey that faked... Uh, uh, did he fake a heart attack or just a road accident? I can't remember, but he... he 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 shot a bad guy right. out of nowhere. It was it was a it was a delightful little right. scene. I remember. Yep. Good scene. So yeah. There's there's a cast. So it, it does the disaster movie thing where we've got a few big names and then a few kind of recognizable faces as
1: well on top of them. I mean, yes, you're right, but it also completely fails because none of their plots matter even the slightest bit.
0: I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying it has the cast list of a disaster
1: right, movie. Right, no, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm still annoyed. I watched, I finished this movie up like five hours ago, and I'm still just kind of simmering over the fact that I had to watch these stupid-ass B-plots, and none of them amounted to anything.
0: Yeah, There. okay, there's one thing about it I kind of like in the B-plots, but I'll, 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 no, no pun intended for the record. <laughs> The B the normal a plot. plots and then the B. <laughs> the whole
1: movie's the B plot. It's a plot about bees. <laughs> That's the other thing in this movie that I don't think like got a second draft or at least nobody ever said them out loud mm-hmm. is that anytime anyone's saying a line and they have to work in the line about like why we need to take bees seriously, they never come across seriously. Nah. It always sounds like a joke i
0: think that's one of the fundamental problems of this movie is that anytime they start talking dead serious about the killer bees it mm-hmm. just this is definitely this is probably the silliest disaster movie we've watched so far from the 70s oh, yeah. I, f- I felt it constantly it, we watched
1: the big bus which is an actual satire and this still felt sillier
0: yeah yeah i mean only well okay there's definitely things in the big bus that are sillier in their own but because that's meant to be silly in a comedy version of a mm-hmm. disaster movie that that's that works in that context here you've got michael cain being dead serious about the killer bees and there's not even like a hint okay. of levity in the whole movie uh, no. which lends itself to the unintentional humor that sort of comes out and uh, there's one of the things that happens is that uh, du- during the bee attacks there's often slow motion of people like just sort of like spinning around in the bees and like yeah it's very comical it does not look tense or good it just looks like oh there's an actor sort of flip and it's always slow motion the slow motion just makes it look worse at least if it was in real time it would look kind of hectic but in slow motion it's like they're just sort of dancing through bees and
1: i I down. wholly agree, but I also think that that's the closest it actually got to any of the B effects looking good, because <laughs> so much of this is just obviously added in post. Oh yes, of course,
0: of course. Oh dear. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other sort of major things I want to mention, spoiler free, before we can go into everything I else. I mean,
1: there was one part that I had to pause for a moment just because it it almost went too far too quick and that was very early on in the movie Michael Caine gets introduced to this military group and one of the military guys asks him oh where are you from and Michael Caine <laughs> not trying to put on any accent or anything like that responds I'm American and I'm like pause what no, hold on, hold on, huh? hold on. the exact yeah.
0: dialogue to be fair the guy says oh you're English I assume mm-hmm. and Michael Kane says, I'm American for eight years.
1: <laughs> right. The eight years part, though, I paused before that, and I'm like, are you trying to convince me that this Michael Caine not even trying to an American accent? Which
0: I still think it's a little bit weird. I think someone who moves to the U.S. still, if they're asked, like... You know, you're English yeah. if you're if you're an English person, you'll still say yes. It doesn't matter that you're living in the US now, you're still English.
1: Honestly, his character throughout this movie is just such like a pedantic smart ass the entire time. <laughs> like everyone is trying to just get like any sort of info out of him. They're like, But wait, what about this? And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to save the world. And kill a beast and then he just like runs off. He doesn't actually like answer anybody. It does. It also
0: has that. um, I'll call it the Captain Kirk problem. And I love Star Trek, but this is absolutely a critique Mm. of Star Trek. Is why does the captain keep going on the missions that are dangerous? There's moments in this movie where Michael Caine will go to help find one person when he's supposed to be the one in charge at base, making all the decisions about how to fight the bees. I'm like, why are you out in a van looking for someone? Like, no, you (laughs) like all you're doing is making it hard for everyone else to do their jobs.
1: Oh. As long as we're talking about the little side plots he gets into, he shares almost all of them with, uh, Catherine Ross's character, which you're telling me that she was in Step Wives and all that. That's fine. I've seen her in a couple of things you've talked about. However, I have never seen a more blank eyed expression across an entire movie than what Catherine Ross delivered. Well, here. I swear to God, she doesn't have a soul. <laughs>
0: I think, first of all, it's clear from this movie that Urban Allen can't direct actors. Like he, Maybe he directed, yeah. directs action sequences just fine, but actors, in terms of like actual dramatic performances, I don't think he does that very well, seemingly. I would mm. also add here that she probably read what's supposed to be the love story of this movie and thought, well, this is shit, so I'm just not even going to give it half my effort.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, late 70s, I wonder what the cocaine budget was. Are you suggesting she had too much or not enough? Like, uh, not... I'm, I'm betting too much just all around. I think that's also why Michael Caine launched into his yelling tirades about B statistics.
0: <laughs> all right, well, let's that, just do spoilers and talk about all it because right. I, I like most of you will not care that we're about to spoil no. the swarm. And given that we're flat out saying you probably shouldn't, bot while you're wasting your time, and and this is the thing, I would have almost recommended it as a good bad movie if it wasn't for the runtime. I think if this was like 100 minutes and it was still as funny as it is, just more condensed, I'd be like, you know what? I'd say watch this. But there's definitely times, you know, it it does that thing where you get to that 100 minute or so mark and you look at how much is left and it's almost an hour. And you're like, Mm. how is there almost an hour of this left? Like, I'm ready. I'm ready
1: to be done. Yeah, this... I almost want to put this movie in the same level as like, If you need to put on something for, like, a date or something, for, like, Netflix and chill, where you know they're Mm. not going to want to watch the movie and therefore you can have some sexy times, this would almost be perfect, except for the fact that it gets so over-the-top at times, it's going to pull you back in. (laughs) You're going to want to see what in the hell is going on that is resulting in such outlandish lines being shouted. So, spoilers for the Swarm
0: you've been warned you won't believe where this
1: goes you know i was actually rewatching one of our old episodes where we spent the entire time just doing queen puns because one guy <laughs> looks like freddie mercury i don't want to repeat of that but i won't fight <laughs> it if you do it I mean,
0: honestly, the making the bee jokes when it's a, something related to bees is something I've done before. There was an episode mm-hmm. of Smallville with a bee villain. There was an episode that's of right. Arrow with a bee villain, and in both occasions, I played my mission to make Connor's life miserable for the duration of that review. Um, it feels old hat now, so I'm not going to go
1: too in depth. But it, yeah, that's fine. Yes, anyway, I mean, don't let me don't let me kill your buzz.
0: So, spoilers for The Swarm. The movie has a very extended opening where a bunch of guys, well, half the guys are in hazmat suits. The other half are in something that's close to a hazmat suit, but it's more like they've got motorbike helmets with gas
1: masks, right? Yeah, it, it strikes me as, like, 70s, like nasa employee like the way that they not like in reality but the way that movies Mm. would portray like here's what space and futurism is going to look like i think
0: what got me about it is that the the guys in the sort of the helmet ones like their necks were exposed and i'm like Mm. and i get that depending on what you're going into like if, if it is just a respiratory thing it doesn't matter that your neck's exposed as long as you're not breathing anything in but I did mm-hmm. think, well, do you know what you're getting into here? Because you 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 get in with guns, you're all wearing hazmat suits, or yeah, you know, close enough approximations of ones. It just you know, so the whole opening of the movie is that they're going to this this uh, missile base, right? It's a ICBM mm-hmm. missile base, and they go in, and all the people who are there are pretty much dead. Eventually, obviously, we find one or two people, but for the most part, there's just dead bodies everywhere, and it's like, okay, what happened here? So, despite the fact that this movie is two hours and thirty five minutes. Like, we're starting with, like, what's different to, like, other disaster movies, I would say, in this one is the disaster's Mm -hmm. already kind of ongoing when the movie starts. It's not like this build-up where, okay, yeah, Tower Inferno had, you saw this fire start early on, and the movie went a long time before it became a disaster for the people in it. But, by and large, most of them tend to have some build-up where you get to know the characters first, and then the disaster strikes. Here... Mm -hmm. The disaster strikes and we, we probably spend like 30 minutes of the movie before we even cut to all the sort of the B characters that we're going to introduce that are the, you know, the fodder for
1: potential victims and potential danger moments. So, oh, yeah, no, it takes forever to get it like we get the full explanation as to what's going on before we even hint at the idea that it's going to hit any other characters. Yeah,
0: almost to the point where I'm like, I wonder how this movie plays if you just start with the picnic scene.
1: Like, if you just cut the first yeah. 25 minutes and start with the picnic scene, does it work? I mean, it doesn't make much sense from what we find out triggers the bees at the end, but... True, true. It, I mean, structurally, it probably would work a little bit better. It gets you that hook of action in the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me
0: wrong. The first like few minutes of them sneaking around this base, and like it really focuses on like them going down the long elevator ride into the secret part of the building and all that. Like, I thought this was fine. It was well shot enough. It was like, okay, I'm intrigued. Like, what's going on? It just kind of goes a bit haywire as soon as they find Michael Kane, who's already in the building. And mm. the, I'm, I'm actually just now realizing that I mentioned this because it's a big part of the start of the movie that the military guys are all very wary of him. Like, wait. So he just stumbled onto this. And I think the obviously the implication is that he was tracking killer bees because that's his job. That's what he's an expert in. But. Yes. They they're very suspicious that oh there's something more to this. Like he 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 knew he'd come here, he was already in here, there's something more to this and that told me, oh it's not something that bad, I don't think, because he's the main character, but it mm. it it told me as an audience member that by the end of the movie there is something to reveal.
1: That's that's what it yes. told me. That's that's how Chekhov's guns and little things like that typically work. You bring it up and then there's a payoff later. But Absolutely.
0: There was no payoff. Nope. I was blue balls on, on this particular detail.
1: I especially, I mean, if we're just going to skip ahead, I love it because pretty much immediately, as soon as Michael Caine is left to roam about the facility, this one military guy is put on him as basically a spy to try to figure out like, what is his deal? Why did he show up? And then at the very end of his plot, he the guy basically is like, oh, hey, he's worried about his girlfriend. Therefore, he's not suspicious anymore. Forget about it. And they just drop the whole thing. There's so many things that
0: you kind of touched on there that are, are more talking points. Because the, mm-hmm. the first 15 minutes of this movie, for the most part, is they found Michael K and They're holding him at gunpoint. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I, I, I study bees. I, I'm an entomologist. I do this, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And they don't trust him. But he's like, hey, contact this guy who's at the White House, right? He'll corroborate who I am, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of that. Eventually, they get the call back. And it's like, oh, no. The president himself has told you that Michael Caine is now in charge of this operation because stopping the bees is now he's the one. Like he, you trust him, and they're the military here are answering to him, which they're not mm-hmm. happy about. And I think that's important for what something you just said is is that the major here, uh, or the general, he is he's a general, not a major. The mm-hmm. general then appoints this guy to kind of spy on him like hey I'm still suspicious of this dude like regardless of the orders you keep an eye on him and see if there's anything more to him and nothing ever really comes of that like I feel like no. it feels like it's setting up conflict that doesn't really arise don't get me wrong they're always confrontational with each other so you know Michael Kane in the general the whole movie are button heads but it yeah. never really feels like it bubbles up to a big moment, per se. And that's even more of a problem later when it feels like it's about to do something with it and then it still doesn't. So I'll, I'll get to that when we get there. But it, yeah, that's the first uh, chunk.
1: It, yeah, I feel like the, what you're touching on there of like this idea that we set up this conflict and it just never bubbles up, that applies to so many subplots. And it's so extra frustrating because this is the extended cut. This is where they <laughs> had the time to do whatever they wanted to do, and they still didn't do it. And uh, yeah, it's just filled with so much other fodder.
0: So the first big thing is that the military send two helicopters uh, mm-hmm. to... And this might be before Michael King gets power to like, be in charge. Uh, I can't yeah, remember the really exact sequence, right. yeah. But they send two helicopters to try and track the bees, and we see this swarm in the sky, this blurry effect that's moving...
1: <laughs> I, I love they have the little special line in there which is like oh we want you to follow this uh flying thing it's uh, not 700 miles per hour seven seven miles per hour as if to say like isn't that funny you think they're hunting down planes but it's actually bees hilarious yeah but like they play it as a joke it's actually a thing where it's like remember not 700, seven zero zero seven
0: It's a precursor to David Fincher's 7. That's what this is. This yeah. Is, this that's is how it all yeah. started. Th-
1: this was his inspiration. Yeah. So, basically,
0: the helicopters, you know, get, get swarmed with the bees and they go down. They they crash to helicopters, which immediately I'm like, okay, this is kind of like the Shark and Jaws, where the bees seem to be very vindictive <laughs> and very, mm-hmm. like, you know, hunting people down. More in that layer, because it does come up yeah. again. But Megokane gets in power, and they're debating what to do but this is and and believe it or not by this point in the movie we're probably 25 minutes in right Mm -hmm. you know we've already covered that much time and Michael Caine
1: we also got introduced to um what's her name at this point Helena
0: oh yeah turns out she was hiding with a few survivors she's the doctor at the base and she corroborates some of the stuff that Michael Caine says because she's like yeah yeah this this tracks with what he's saying
1: Oh, I loved it. She she just basically came out, and then Michael King goes off and like does whatever while they're waiting for the call back. And then he asks her like, "Okay, so what happened here?" And she's like, "It was bees. Didn't he tell you it was bees? It's always been bees." <laughs> but the first
0: thing we see sort of separately from this is there's a family who go for a picnic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bees attack them. Uh, both parents get killed and this is the first time we see the, the glorious slow motion as they're dancing around in the bees before slowly lying down and dying from all their stings the child however paul gets back to their car and is able to protect himself because he gets in the car and he watches his parents die and i'm like oh this is a this is a batman moment he's, he's, he's gonna, I was gonna he, say. he's gonna grow up and become the knight <laughs> become vengeance
1: bee man <laughs> i i can fully imagine like half the scenes from batman begins just replacing the word bat with bees yeah unfortunately though this is not
0: a bruce wayne this is a screw up and someone who probably gets 216 people killed more than that in a little bit the next time we see paul is he actually drives his parents' car into the town that's nearby, which is a a town that we kind of focus on for, I'd say, the majority of the movie. Obviously, we got to Houston for the last act, but it's this is the main town we really...
1: I mean, yes, it is the main town, but again, about hour 40 into this movie, every single plot that even conceivably involves this town is just wrapped up and thrown away.
0: All right, but hour 40 is enough of the movie. that I'm going to call it the main town. <laughs> No, yeah, that's right. And we're introduced to some of her other characters. There's a pregnant woman that we meet soon whose husband was actually one of the guys killed at the military base. So she's all sad about that. Our main plot, though, for the town is a love triangle for the ages. What's more romantic than two old farts fighting over an old teacher who they want to impress and marry and bring her flowers? And they are just competing, and we cut to scenes where one's bringing them, like bringing her flowers at the school. We cut, we get a scene where uh, one of them's talking to another guy, and he's like, "Hey, the, the rumor is that you know the odds are in your favor." And I'm like, "How did this rumor start exactly? Did she tell someone that she's leaning one way over the other?" And I, I don't know, like, it's just
1: it's a lot of fluff. I, it's a lot of fluff, David. I there was a point in this where I realized that. This was like at first I thought this was just kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to get to know them a little bit and then they're going to intersect with our military crew because that's how these disaster movies typically go is, you know, you learn about everybody separately and then they all kind of clump together and one by one or in larger chunks, they'll get knocked off by whatever the disaster is. But there was a point in here where I realized, oh, they're never going to meet up. This is just an entirely separate plot that's going on over there. And it was the point where old fart number two has asked this woman to marry him. And they just kind of like have a little chat about how she's going to decide this love triangle. And I'm like, oh, I'm bored out of my mind. I can't even begin to care about this plot. Yeah,
0: it's. And it is very sort of self-contained, and that would be okay to a point if the characters were entertaining, <laughs> or engaging, yeah.
1: or 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 anything, right? Like, I mean, I'll be, a, I'll be. You're saying that the cuts made for the theatrical cut were due to content. I was really hoping it was this whole plot. I was hoping that this whole thing—they realized how superfluous all this is—and they just threw it away. Is that not the case? No. Oh God. All right. That makes, in, in that case, I'm kind of happy I didn't watch the shortened cut. If that was more of the movie. <laughs> oof. Yeah. So
0: the thing that was cut, all right. So young Paul here uh, was stung four times. Mm-hmm. And, or no, yeah, four times. And, you know, when, when Henry Fonda comes in in the helicopter, he's like the first other scientist to arrive and they're, they're talking about everything. And they, they basically deduce that, yeah, like six things will kill the average person, right? Blah blah blah. Right. blah. I'm like, Okay, all right. That's low enough that it's dangerous. But if someone gets a couple of stings, it's like the character will be sick but not die, and we can play with that. Whatever. Hmm. Um, so young Paul ends up in the hospital, and you know, uh, Michael Caine comes to see him, talk to him about what's going on, and he of goes course, down to the
1: planet with a red shirt.
0: <laughs> and of course, we get the scene where I'm like, okay, this movie's just utter nonsense. Is yeah where Paul starts hallucinating that he's seeing a giant bee in the room and it's this comical effect. And I'm like, oh God. And it ends up in a running thing where everyone who's been stung by one of these bees has right. the same hallucination where they see a giant bee.
1: Yeah. I be- So my problem with that is I actually accepted it for this first scene uh-huh. where Paul is seeing this giant bee and he's hallucinating it because... Hey, they hung out for a really, really long time, longer than they ever should have. But I thought that it was like a PTSD thing, Mm -hmm. like both his parents were just killed in the swarm of bees. Clearly, he's going to be like seeing them everywhere and freaking out. But then the second time it comes up with another character who has no reason to have PTSD, I'm like, oh, you're just making this a side effect of the venom. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen on film.
0: It's fair. Congratulations. So yeah. maybe you just described that there what you thought it was before we found out it was just a side effect. Uh, it was very *Sally Night*, *Deadly Night*. It's very much a kid sees a Santa kill his parents and now mm. he's traumatized every time he sees a Santa. Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but *Sally *Deadly Night* has more logic than <laughs> than and the swarm. Than the swarm does, which so this leads. So I don't know exactly which parts. But given that it's like 35 minutes I'm going to assume it's all of it. Apparently hmm. everything to do with like uh, them being sick after being stung is not in the shorter cut. That
1: that's like half of it. How in the hell did they get away with
0: that? At least that, that, that was that was what I read. I haven't watched the short the uh, hell I'm not watching no, yeah, it. Oh yeah yeah that's fine that's fine. It is there's some to do with uh, an entire subplot about people getting sick I don't think it's everything in the town. I'm assuming the big, you know, money scene where the bees are invading the town halfway through is still there because, like, how do yeah. you lose that? But I think anything to do with like the the characters being sick after the fact, um, mm. or uh, maybe they just badly phrased it. Maybe they did mean that all these other characters are that are
1: extraneous. Aren't? I mean, maybe, it,
0: but, but I,
1: I, I don't know. That seems crazy to me. The only thing that I could think of is there was a, um, where is it here? There's a disclaimer at the end of the movie which has done a little trivia thing here on wikipedia says according to an article uh, published around the release of the movie the american bee association considered taking legal action against Whoa. the film's producers for defaming the western honeybee <laughs> so maybe for the theatrical release they kind of got cold feet and we're just like okay what if we show that the bees don't make people sick is that okay that's so
0: weird, though. Is, is that because at one point Michael Caine says that your honeybee isn't strong enough to bite a grape, it's got a weak mouth? Are they, were they upset no, about I, that?
1: I think what it is is just the overall making... Like, the way that people treat sharks after Jaws, they mm. were worried that people would treat general bee populations after the swarm. Interesting. Which is... Yeah, you're right. They do make a very clear distinction in this movie that there are different breeds of bee, different species... And the honeybee is absolutely necessary to be kept alive. Okay, so
0: before when I read what was different about it, it was just like one sentence trying to sum it up. I've got a Mm -hmm. list of the main things that are not in the theatrical version, right? right. So some of the three-way courtship between the the, the, the old love triangle. So some of that was was out. That's good. Yep. I don't know if I agree with this. A hilarious scene so That's how this bullet point in IMDb starts. A hilarious scene in which the military inspect an attacked picnic site, and Sir Michael Caine comments on the bees' baiting abilities. Oh, so that wasn't in the theatrical cut.
1: So that was the the grape line. That was the thing yeah. they were saying. So maybe they did. De- maybe that was the defamation. <laughs> It's like, yo, oh, your stupid little pathetic bees can't cut through a grape. <laughs> yeah, because Michael Caine
0: is investigating like a crime scene and he picks up something. And I thought he was picking up like, oh, this is something the bees like shot out or something like that. And he's yeah. like, no, this is part of a polystyrene cup. <laughs> the, the bees okay. have shattered
1: this cup. <laughs> I do. I just because of that phrasing there, I have one more trivia bit. I just need okay, to say here. Okay. In the vein of bees shitting things out. Um... Apparently, with all the bees flying around in some of the scenes, uh, there were tiny little yellow specks all over Michael Caine's, like, outfits. He thought it was honey, and so he was eating it. Turns out it's bee poo. <laughs> so, Michael Caine, throughout the duration of this movie, was just eating bee poo.
0: Anyway, continue. I, I should do. Um, apparently, a lot of the end of Paul stuff was done, because... so. We've not gotten to the end of his story yet here, but mm. one of the two big major points that are coming for him is that he actually breaks out of the hospital once he feels a little bit better with his friends. They find at least one of the swarms that are at yeah. a tree, and they throw Molotov cocktails at it. As kids tend to do. He's like 12, and he's throwing a Molotov cocktail jesus is texas this rough <laughs> i mean yes you get very bored out there so and then it's after this that the swarm goes to the town and then he feels like he caused it and that the bees were getting revenge
1: for the which he straight up did like yeah it, it plays there's kind of like this whole little thing where they're saying like oh paul don't worry about it like it's totally not your fault but like yeah it was yeah,
0: it totally was his fault And then he gets sick again and dies because we find out as the movie goes on that Mm. even if you think you're okay after you've been stung by these bees, you probably get sick and die again. (laughs) Well, not die again, but sick again and die. Uh, Apparently, his death was completely cut out of the theatrical cut, so you just kind of assume he survived according to this list?
1: I don't know whether that's better or worse. I Mm. mean, on one hand, it's not wrapping up a plot, but on the other hand, like, it doesn't really do much with his death anyway, so... Yeah. I mean, I I always enjoy when a movie kills off a kid, but... Fair enough. You know. Um,
0: yeah. Lots of extra footage of, uh, towards the end, when Michael Caine and Ross are going to the, the headquarters in Houston, okay? Okay. Uh, there's an additional shot of when Henry Fonda dies. Like so i get, we're not add that yet, but spoilers. And then yeah. an additional subplot near the end of the film in which Ross has a relapse and nearly dies from her earlier beast thing. So yeah, that's probably what we were talking about when I first read it—like her getting sick yeah. again towards the end. Apparently, that was all gone.
1: Which is so it? So it's not—it's not that they always cut the relapse. It's just that they cut like main character stuff like that, or mm-hmm. like specifically when they die. Because remember, they said a bunch of soldiers relapsed as well.
0: They did, yeah. So they probably had those lines still in the movie, but mm. all the all the major examples of us seeing someone relapse—it sounds like they were all cut. Yeah. So I I okay. I understand what they mean now that I've read the list of like cutting, you know, the sickness part of it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh although right. it sounds like the beer hallucinations were probably still in though.
1: <laughs> they spent far too much money on that to cut it. They had to keep it in. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. So when they're driving in the van to look for Paul after he gets out of the hospital. For this is the moment that really baffled me cuz Michael Caine mm. goes with with Catherine Ross to do this. And I'm like, why are you going? You're meant to be in charge of this whole beast, like war operation. And that's the other thing. Michael Caine, this whole movie's like, the war I've said has been coming for years is finally here.
1: I love <laughs> the fact, and I mean, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just throw this because it's a at the end, it's the entire like ending statement. I love the fact that this movie treats this like. An unavoidable catastrophe if humanity continues down its path. Like, giant killer bees <laughs> is definitively humanity's ending. That is hilarious to me. What's so weird is that, I don't think
0: it is, maybe, rich. maybe if it's based on something it was, right? I could see it, mm. but I could totally see this being about climate change, except for the fact that the final movie's so dumb that I don't think it's actually trying to say anything about climate change. But it, some no. of the things he says sounds like an analogy for climate
1: change. Oh, no, absolutely. It, it seems like it's this idea, like, what ended up being the happening, where it's like, oh, nature's just pissed off with how much humanity's messed <laughs> around with it. But, like... They don't ever go down that path. They don't say that it's because humanity has messed with the bees like flowers or their natural environment. It's all about just a bunch of bees that were in Africa, came to America, (sighs) and are killing everything. Yeah,
0: Can I also just say, the small towns have its annual flower festival, and I thought that was going to be a major plot point, and that's why the Mm -hmm. bees were attracted to the towns, because they all had flower displays out. No, never comes up, and it never even gets mentioned after... the only time it's talked about is the first time it comes up when they're putting up the sign and they're talking about how, oh, I put that sign up well, the hurricane wouldn't blow that down. And I thought, oh, at the very least, the bees are going to like fly through that thing and rip it apart. And I don't think that happened either.
1: I think this movie is the perfect example of how to fail at like Chekhov's guns. How to set things up and then just never pay them off.
0: Yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, so... They, they, you know, Paul eventually shows up, but as they're on the way to the town to look for Paul, they see the swarm going towards the town. Hmm. Michael Kane and that get there quickly and tell the police, "Get everyone off the streets! Like, get everyone inside, shut all the windows and doors, like seal up tight. They're coming." So hmm. they're chaotically running around, and the bees do come. And we get this is probably the big action set piece of the movie. You know, the the, the big thing that they'll put, was probably in the trailers is yeah. the bees attacking this town and just people in the streets. In the slow motion, one guy, of course, goes through a window, endangering everyone that's in the little cafe that that was hiding from the bees.
1: That's like, a fun I, moment. I I get it. I am not a fan of bees either. And if there were, if I knew there were a deadly swarm approaching me, yeah, I'd be freaking out too. But going through a window just seems like I wouldn't even consider that. That wouldn't be an option. That I think would be better than getting stung. I don't think he chose to go through the window. I think it was more. He was flailing. He and just, just yeah. it through a window. Yeah. All right. It looked pretty intentional to me, but maybe that was just because the stunt man couldn't make it look natural. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Uh, right, I, we kind of skipped over the Cameron Mitchell scene,
0: but he's basically like mm. a, a high up major or something. Uh, basically saying, yeah, Michael kane has got full full command. Like, you know, yeah. do everything he says. Uh, the one thing I want to point out about this though is they have a Skype call with them in 1978. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> it's just a video call I'm like okay oh sure yeah 1978 video call it's even weird that it had the Skype ringing sound effect at the <laughs> beginning too
1: that was crazy
0: oh dear I will say yeah. I do appreciate uh, th- 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 there's a couple of moments that I think are, are actually kind of interestingly dark uh one is -hmm. the teacher character you know the the one who the two guys are fighting over yeah where Mm -hmm. she's at her school and she's like trying to protect the kids but during all this chaos she looks out the window and sees that some of the kids didn't get inside so there's like just dead children lying in the playground and i thought oh you know what okay that took a little bit of balls to put that in your movie
1: i agree i love that shot in terms of like oh it's actually trying to give a powerful image but then it immediately throws it away by having her turn around and give the biggest soap opera. (laughs) No. And I'm like, all right, there goes your drama. Good job. Uh, One sequence though, that was kind of intermediary here that I, I don't even know what the point of the scene was outside of just establishing the threat. It's kind of the end of the first act, honestly. So, Michael Caine, once he's put in charge of the military group, basically goes around and says, all right, I'm going to need all this stuff. I need my bags and I need all these people, just a huge list of people that are all experts in their field, and they need to be brought to this facility immediately. And so once they all get there, he sits them down and essentially has a press conference and says, okay, everybody, here's the thing. We've got these African killer bees. And then... The dude from Towering Inferno decides that he wants to be a prick here (laughs) and they get into like a three minute long argument about whether these are African bees or Brazilian bees and whether they could have even made it to America. Like, bro, we've seen the bees. Does it really matter at this point to clarify the
0: type? They've killed dozens of, you know, soldiers in this military base. Like, like, they're definitely here. Like, like, there's no point in denying it. I'm like, mm-hmm. this, this, this guy feels it's like such a YouTube commenter in the worst possible way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, actually, one of the other scenes is that the the general says to Michael Kane, "Oh, we've got a plan. We're gonna, we're gonna drop, you know, pesticides and shit all over the state and kill all the bees. It'll, easy peasy. We'll get it done. Mm-hmm. We'll nuke them, basically, right? right? Not No, literally nuke them. But it's the nuclear option. And Michael Kane." Yeah. I almost appreciated this for a second because I'm like, oh, he's actually bringing up that bees are important for the environment and the ecosystem. So you can't just kill all the bees. You have to specifically target the bad ones that are killing everyone. Yeah. All right. That's a fair point to bring up. I'm sure Mm -hmm. sure the bee defense force in 1978 were happy about that line. But what got me is the way he then like gets passionate is like, you won't be doing a thing until I know how you're doing it, where Mm -hmm. you're doing it when
1: you're doing it and then walks off it it just i don't know it's it's i can see this written on the page as like you know a a kind of just annoyed thing where he's like oh you you shouldn't be taking. i'm the one who's put in charge here therefore listen to my expertise and i feel like the director erwin allen behind the camera did like three takes and each time it was done he kept on saying just give it a bit more michael a little bit more and this is what the end result is, is Michael just going off the chain of insanity on how passionate he gets about specifically how this man is reacting to the threat.
0: Yeah, it's not uncommon for the takes in movies to be one of the last takes done because, you know, you, you do it a few times, you get better, you sort of nail what you want from the scene. Not mm-hmm. always, of course, sometimes you'll, a director will find, okay, we've tried it all these different ways, but... To be honest, the first wave is still the best, and that's the one we're going to use in the movie. Yeah. This is a, a case, though, where it does feel like he just kept asking for more from Michael Caine, and the takes mm-hmm. that are in the movie are always the last take, where he asked them to just yell and be the most Michael Caine. Yeah. Like, if someone's going to do a Michael Caine impression, this is how they'll yell. They'll yell like he is when he's doing these scenes, and they're just, like, out of nowhere, he'll just start getting really railed up, and it, it's, it's mm-hmm. the... and it happens again. After the whole town scene... Uh, the general's debating with them again about yeah. what to do now. And it's like, oh, we have to evacuate ev- the town and everywhere around. And, you know, Kane does agree with that. He's like, yeah, okay, we have to evacuate. That's obviously a wise choice. Uh, but you're not dropping these pesticides. Like, if you if you kill the crops, then you kill the people
1: because nothing will be grown here. Yeah, and it makes sense for him to be, like, annoyed about that. It's just how passionate he gets. I think this is also the same conversation where... Um, it's after the town is attacked, and he's talking to the general again. And the general's making the point of like, okay, we have to evacuate because if the bees like they under we were collecting some of their swarm to like try to do experiments on. If they realize that they might come back for revenge, and Michael Kane seems genuinely confused at the idea that this general is attributing revenge. I was confused onto these by bees. That. <laughs> yeah, but like. Everything we've seen so far, because this is post like throwing the firebombs by Paul, indicates that they do have a sense of revenge. It seems like Michael Caine's just wrong here in that they are actually that intelligent. And we also see later on in this movie more cases of them being that intelligent. Wait, which, so. which
0: would be completely fine if later on in the movie Michael Caine realized he was wrong and is like, shit, this is like unlike on on, on anything he's ever seen in the species. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a completely new thing. There's, you know, awe-inspiring, and that's fine because it's a movie. But he never later on, like, it never comes to a conclusion. It never comes This is another setup that never gets paid off with him going, yeah. "My God, they're super bees," or, or something like that. You know, they never do that.
1: My God, they can learn. Um, there's also a subplot much earlier on, and I say subplot very generously. There, it's more of just a scene that comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which is with the military guys who died at the very beginning one of their fathers shows up. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. So apparently he's like a county engineer and he's essentially threatening this American military base with missiles on it, that he's going to turn off the power to their base because he can (laughs) just do that unless he's allowed in and can see his son's body, essentially. And they just let him. They just say, all right, sure. Come on in where we keep our missiles and military secrets.
0: He picks his son's body up and walks out of it with the body bag. And we can't let you take him. And he's like, the only way you stop me is if you shoot me. And then just let him go. He just walks out with his son's dead body. Yeah. uh, I mean, for a start, you're dealing with a venom. You don't know how to combat yet. It feels like all the... Mm -hmm. This is like a quarantine issue, effectively, at this point. Yeah. But no, (laughs) they don't care at all. Oh, jeez. Henry Fonda's trying to work on an antidote the whole movie. I'll just mention that now, and we'll come back to yeah. the end of that later. He's a, he's an immunologist who is apparently super old friends with Michael Caine. Yes, yes. Uh, they're very friendly with each other. Uh, at the end of the 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 town sort of attack scene, right, and they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of doing what they're going to do next, and they're going to evacuate the town. We see the town getting ready to evacuate. We see various characters get ready, and it builds up to them all leaving on a train and this <laughs> yeah oh my god so i have so many things to say about this train scene so we focus we we fo- focus on the the thruple if you want to call them that the the, the two old guys and the old woman. i'd
1: rather call them anything besides thruple <laughs> i don't want to think about that
0: so, so yeah they act all proper like they're old school romantic and she's like i will think about my decision of who i would like to marry after this uh but no, no, Throttle kind of implies she's like, all right, boys, uh, who's going to spit roast me tonight? Um, okay, no lost dose. So they're on the train, right? That's, most of the town is on the train. Mm-hmm. And the bees start attacking the train
1: driver. Right, not not bees plural. There is one. Well, to begin singular with, singular bee To begin with, of this cabin, yes. To
0: begin with, but then the swarm starts to come in the the, the front of the train, and I'm like, okay, like you, so the the, the the no one's driving the train. That's a problem. Eventually, right? You're in a bit of a Cassandra crossing thing. Where you've got a runaway train. Yep. But then, for some reason, the train starts to rock from side to side, and I'm like. Arwin, my boy, yeah. trains are not like cars. If so, so a driver in a car falls asleep or something, right? It'll start mm-hmm. swerving because they're not controlling the steering wheel. It's on wheels. It can go from side to side. And then it yep. might crash, right? A train, and this is a bold concept, it's <laughs> on a track. It doesn't go from side to side. It can't just turn... <laughs> But... In fact, correct me if I'm wrong, David, I'm pretty sure that a train doesn't even have the function to turn its uh, treads or whatever you want to call the the wheel parts. I mean,
1: it it follows the rails. Yes.
0: So it'll turn if there's a turn
1: in the rails. And in fairness to the movie, the clips that we see of this train as soon as they pass out, or as soon as they're killed, I guess, by these bees, is this train going through, like, clearly... Completely unviable, like tracks where it's like going back and forth against the side of a oh, canyon bullshit. or something. And, no, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. But, but like the train, it at least tries.
0: The people on the train aren't the ones who like switch the tracks, though. They, they uh, oh yeah, no. Them being unconscious would not cause them to go down a bad track. <laughs> this doesn't work like that. It's stopping the train when
1: it's supposed to stop. That's the problem. <laughs> Yeah. No, the only thing I see, and I'm watching it back right now because it's so funny to me, is as the one guy falls, he essentially falls into the throttle, and it just, you know, 100 miles an hour now when they should be going like 30.
0: Sure, sure. Okay. I'll buy that that can lead to a derailing, because you probably shouldn't be going too fast when you're going, say, around a turn. Yeah, but
1: But it wouldn't like rickety back and forth like that. And to be
0: fair, I think when it does derail here and goes down the side of a hill, Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's on a straight bit of track at this point, which makes oh, yeah. no sense. It just... So these bees have strategically somehow crashed a train.
1: Mm-hmm. Baffling to me. Baffling. No, so, But see, I think you were no-selling the the earlier bit there when you said, like, oh, it was a single bee and then the whole swarm attack, because it wasn't even... I think it sells their intelligence of what actually happened, which is there's a single bee on his hand they have heard about the bee swarm, so they're saying, well, don't make it angry. Don't do anything. Just let it be. And then the guy freaks out and swats it. And like 30 seconds later, not even 30 seconds, 30 frames later of this movie, the swarm is just on them. It is just completely enveloped the train. It's which like... makes me think like, this was a trap from the beginning. They had the one bee there to tempt him. And then as soon as he showed that he was not cool, they just got him. Alternatively... This just goes back to the revenge thing, where oh, you mm-hmm. killed one of ours. Oh, oh, then yeah, we're coming for you. I I think Irwin Allen genuinely believes that bees have a hive mind, that they just all happen to know what happens to any other bee at any other time.
0: Mm. Because they have a hive, so he's he's, he's exactly he's, he's mixing those those things those contexts up a little bit. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I will say, as much as it just kind of throws away the whole subplot with the love triangle, because they all die in this train uh, yeah. crash, in fact, well, one, of the, what... one of the guys actually goes out the window as the train's going down the hill. But yeah, part of me does respect, like, in a better movie, I could see this working where you're building up a subplot, and the whole point of it is, is that it gets cut off because they all die, mm. tragically. I can see on some level that working.
1: Yeah. The idea of anyone can die at any point is very popular in like a lot of high drama TV and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, the characters you thought were safe are not. And I can appreciate that in a better movie, like you said. But because it's in this movie, because of the way that we know things don't get wrapped up, it just feels like it was another aborted plot line that they just said, and we're done with that now. Yeah, I think it's a combination of that and
0: also just how stupid the events are that lead to the train going. Like, oh, yeah. the end of Cassandra Crossing has one of the best train, like, sequences I've seen mm-hmm. in a movie, especially from this time period where they're using, like, miniatures and stuff like that. And it's super dark and it feels like it's got a lot of weight to it. This does not have that same gravitas by any stretch of the imagination. So, no,
1: definitely not. So at that point... You know, it comes up over the thing saying 216 people are dead, and they decide to launch their first plan. Oh, no, that was before. Thing. That
0: was the t- that was the the bee attack on the town that caused 216 was that deaths. That? Yeah. Oh,
1: all right. Because well, Paul's, people because Paul's
0: here. guilty about that. Paul Paul hears that number. Oh, that's right. And he's yeah. like, Oh, that, that was me.
1: Well, regardless, a number of deaths flash up. However much higher than 216 this time, but the first plan goes into action of how to beat the bees, which is they've developed a poison pellet that. They hope the bees will eat. Yeah, this is the son-in-law from Torrent Inferno who, who's designed mm-hmm. this.
0: And they drop the pellets and the bees don't care. They don't look
1: at it. Yeah, <laughs> They're not even tempting mildly. It's pretty short, all things considered. It's just like, we've dropped the pellets and they're leaving. Yep, that didn't work. Sorry.
0: Right. <laughs> what a shame. Yep. Uh, and I don't even remember what the next plan was here at this point.
1: Well, there was a there's a one side plot that was happening right at right during the evacuation of like a news agency that was coming up. It was some reporters. And basically they were just trying to get a story out of Michael Caine. But I absolutely love this sequence because I think they were trying to go for a thing of like he doesn't know how to play the politics of it. He doesn't know how to like quell public fears. And the person basically asked like, oh, well, you're in charge of this entire operation. What what could we do to stop this from happening in other towns? And he just immediately comes down with like, we don't know yet. It's probably going to keep happening. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's like, oh, all right, thanks. That was
0: brutally honest. I can't, can't fall oh, for yeah, that. For sure. Yeah. But it's
1: just one of those things where it's like, all right. So after this, looking back at the movie, uh, we have the pregnant woman who has fallen ill again, and then Paul dies.
0: Yeah, although, but you think the pregnant was going to get on the train, but then it's almost it's meant to be a relief that she wasn't that she's given birth to her baby,
1: and the Mm -hmm. baby's healthy. The baby's okay. Yeah. Also, this somewhere around this point, somewhere around this midpoint of the movie, they make, I think, an awful little change here to their dialect. So somewhere around the midpoint here, they switched over from saying bees. And then they have a short little period where they say African bees. Oh no, I'm
0: glad you're no, I was getting to yeah. this. Don't worry. I was not going to let this go by. Yeah. Just before we get to what we're talking about here, I will just say that every time they say bees, it's more silly than the last time you heard it. And especially oh, yeah. the phrase killer bees. Anytime someone says that, I just it was making me chuckle. It just it did not land at all. But they're no. so they're African killer bees. That's mm-hmm. fine. They're species that originated in Africa. No problems yep. with that. But at a certain point, the general character stops bothering saying bees and just starts saying Africans every time he talks about killing them or finding them or eradicating them. And I'm like, yep. dude, this sounds really bad, especially since everyone in this movie is white. So, yeah, like just I'm just, you know, it, it was start to make me feel uncomfortable just how he was throwing around. And
1: I, I, I know in context he's talking about bees. Oh, yeah. But, context is fine but like the top oh. rated quote here on imdb is by tomorrow there will be no more africans dot 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 at least not in the houston sector like that's awful no matter how you read it. yeah yeah it it, 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 <laughs> it was
0: because it, it, it got worse as the movie went on that the last like mm-hmm. hour of the movie he was especially like
1: saying it a lot yeah Absolutely. It, it almost, honestly, it kind of felt like it was a sub, like a purposeful subtext thing. Because there's no way that you don't like think that as you're writing it. There's no way that it doesn't come across. You're the one creating this slang. You have to have chosen that for a reason. Yeah, maybe it would have been better if he'd said Brazilian bees. I mean, I, felt... I don't think saying any ethnicity and then talking about eradicating yeah. it is going to be good.
0: Yeah, but at least it might have not sounded. Maybe they're just stuck to bees. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, just keep saying bees. It's already silly. Just keep saying bees.
0: Uh yeah, but really rough stuff. And it's around here or soon after uh, that Henry Fonda. Yeah, because it's right here. Everything else has failed. He's still working on his antidote, and he decides to take a bold move with no one else's like knowledge of this. He infects himself with the venom of the bees, about six mm-hmm. bee stings worth so enough to kill him and he tests his antidote that he's developed and he I, I, there was actually one detail here i kind of liked i liked it when he was like timing it to see if it worked he, he intentionally went longer than most people mm. would pick or well, than he would trip typically because he knows that most regular people would be nervous about using a syringe and they'd hesitate yeah they'd be panicking they, so he they,
1: he, he gave the whole walkthrough. He was basically saying like, OK, the average person, they would get stung. They would panic for a second. They'd have to get the antidote out of their pocket and all that I thought was good. But then he added that little extra bit onto, and then they'd hesitate because they were about to plunge the syringe into their body and they're going to hesitate. I'm like, that's a little extra detail that seems really well thought out. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not a surprise to say
0: this, but Henry Fonda probably is the best actor <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and he sells this, even though what his character's doing right now is very stupid in uh, mm-hmm. and, and the large scope of things. Uh, and it seems like it works. There's a bit of tension where it feels like it isn't at first, but then it works. But then, of course, after about a minute of being okay, his vitals start going haywire again, and yeah. he dies. And, you know, big sad Which, ending.
1: Like, we have Helena come back in and find him as he's still alive. His, he's just peaked, his heart rate coming Catherine back down That's Catherine Rossi's again.
0: character, because I don't think we've called her right. Helena once in this entire review Sorry, until this point. Sorry, my
1: bad. Um, she comes in and she's, she's like, oh my god, what have you done? Oh, geez!" And so she runs off to get, like, respiratory gear. He then continues to go through the symptoms, dies with nobody present, and then, just adding to that, I don't think she has a soul, as she enters back into this movie with respiratory gear... She takes the longest goddamn time I've ever seen someone in an emergency situation to get this mask on him. She takes like a full minute to just be like, okay, let me take off your glasses first. Just set those gingerly aside and now I'll unpack the mask and I'll get that (laughs) asphyxiated on. It's like, dude, he's been dead for 30 seconds already.
0: Yeah, he's a goner. And around here as well is where, out of nowhere... The president apparently has changed his mind and Michael Caine's is no longer in charge. It's now the military who are taking command of this well, operation.
1: I, I will posit, it's not out of nowhere because we do get significantly more deaths because of the son-in-law from Towering Inferno. So he is tasked because he is like an environmental activist guy. He apparently mm. has come butting heads with this nuclear facility in town that needs to evacuate. But they're not going to want to shut down their stuff. So he goes to try to convince them to do so. As he is there, wouldn't you know it, the bees attack. Mm-hmm. And it's right after they said, this place has all these safety precautions. Nothing's getting in here. So as the bees are attacking, we essentially get a speed run of Chernobyl. <laughs> and this reactor explodes killing the entirety of the town, resulting in over 300,000 deaths.
0: I want to point out here that this is this sounds like a huge deal. It's mm-hmm. such a minor quick part of the movie that I'll be yeah. honest, I forgot about it. I, yeah. A reactor blew and killed an entire town, and I forgot about it.
1: Yeah. That's it, where we it, are. It doesn't... Because that's what I'm saying. That's why I said at the very beginning of this, is that... So much is happening. They do so many little things, but it never feels like their stakes. It never well, feels the, like anything they're doing actually matters. This okay. is what gets me. So, so at this point in the movie, we have like a, an actual
0: countdown. The, the the bees are on their way to Houston, the the first major city mm-hmm. they'll get to, and it's going to be like three days, whatever. The computer just tells them how long it's going to be. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough, right? And Michael Kane's power is taken away. It's now a military operation, and I thought, okay. Now Michael Caine is going to have to answer to the general, but he's still going to, but he's ultimately going to convince him to do the right thing that he comes up with or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe f- for the rest of this movie that Michael Caine still just kind of shows up like he's still involved, even though that's not supposed to be the case. He isn't like I thought he was going to go rogue and go and like do something away from the military yeah. that was going to save the day, and he doesn't. Instead, he shows up to the, when everyone goes to Houston, he just shows up to where the military are and the general's quite happy to just tell them everything they're doing as if he's still like, not not in charge, then certainly he's still there as a, a correspondent or something.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite things at the beginning of the movie was Cameron Mitchell shouting as he sees Michael Caine in the room. He's like, has that guy been read in? Is he like even cleared to be here? And the general's just like, no, but he was already here. And at no point in this movie do they ever, like, rectify that. Do they ever say, like, okay, here's all the clearance stuff or whatever. He's just consistently a citizen consultant throughout this.
0: The, the only good thing they kind of do with the general character is there's one scene where his second-in-command dude who was spying on mm-hmm. Michael Kane for a lot of the movie, he says something about Michael Caine that's kind of like, oh, that guy's a, a glory hound. He'll take credit for us evacuating the town. And the yeah. general actually gets snappy with them and says, no, 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 don't, like, badmouth someone behind her back. Like, I disagree with him, but if you've got a problem with how he's doing things, then you tell him. I'm not going to have one of my men come and, like, badmouth someone. And I was like, yeah. you know what? That was actually a nice little detail to show that this guy actually has some modicum of, like, uh, you know, respect. Uh, yeah, you know. he
1: received... It's not so much respecting Michael Caine as much as respecting the chain of command. Respecting like he is the man in charge right now. As much as he disagrees yeah. with him, he's going to follow orders and like do what he says. And
0: at the end, obviously, he does like Michael Caine does come up with a solution, right? And the solution is is that the uh, just the alarm yeah. at the military base happens to be the same sound as the bees make when they're doing a mating call. And that's why they were attracted to that base in the first place. It's not why they were attracted to anywhere else for Mm -hmm. the rest of the movie, but just that military base, that drew them in. And the whole plan is to use that sound to draw them away from the city and whatever, right?
1: Yeah. So there are two like minor plans right before this, just because obviously they find this out in the 11th hour and... It's their final, final oh, solution. Yeah.
0: Houston's already been torched by flamethrowers because their plan yeah. is just to
1: burn the bees. Well, burning the bees is actually the second plan. The first plan they have is to go with the original plan the guy had and just drop a bunch of pesticides. They're like, look, we got to do it. I'll, I'll gladly kill some honeybees <laughs> if that's what it takes. And then as they drop it, it does nothing. And Michael Caine remarks, guess they're immune to pesticides now.
0: <laughs> so you've you've killed all the good bees for no reason, yep. though. Very good. No, Houston I, will never grow another flower. Yeah, the whole flamethrower thing. Like we get these guys in these flame suits just walking down the street, just burning the buildings. And I'm like, okay, because at a certain point, like, okay, we have to like get the the bees away from the city, and then we're going to bomb mm-hmm. the bees once they're out over the ocean. And I'm like, okay, but you've already torched everyone's houses in Houston. Does it matter yeah. if you get them out of the city at this point? Because you've obviously evacuated people.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a point where they're inside, like, a hotel or something. I was getting Towering Inferno flashbacks. There's a point where they're in a hotel or something, and they're just going ham, man. I don't even think they see any bees. I think they're just burning this place to the ground with their flamethrowers. And not only that, the, the swarm shows up,
0: and at this point, Catherine Ross has kind of gotten sick again. Because we haven't even mentioned mm. that She got bit... During the town invasion. Yeah, during the town invasion, and she was sick for a little bit, but then she felt better, so she was back doing her job, and it was like she was normal mm. again. Um, and then here at the end, she was getting sick again, but then she kind of gets back up and is okay. Michael Kane gets yeah. her up. But the, the bees are coming out of the building, right? And somehow her and Michael Kane are, are more swarmed than just about anyone else in the movie was and, mm-hmm. that died. And somehow they just happen to not get bit or stung. Okay, so,
1: so here's the thing. I understand that they couldn't do this in the movie because it would just remove the point of the movie. Hmm. But there was a point where they were collecting these bees to run experiments, to see antidotes, stuff like that. And we have our two main scientist guys and then some third guy. And they're essentially just in was the, normal-ass uh, beekeeping suits. It was the Tarot and Inferno dude. Oh, the uh, son-in-law? Yeah, he was, was the third one, yeah. So they're in essentially just normal-ass beekeeping suits, which means that all you need in order to survive this is just to not have exposed skin which seems really really easy to solve for like a temporary solution obviously it doesn't fix it overall but like you should be able to do that pretty simply as just a normal civilian
0: yeah well i mean a t-shirt's not going to work a bee'll sting you through that but yeah like as long as it's a fabric that they can't go through cuz i think a beekeeping suit is made of a specific material so they they can't sting through it right
1: I mean, I don't think it's that thick, though. I think that, like, as long either it has to be loose enough that the stingers can't reach your skin, or it has to be thick enough the stingers can't penetrate. Well, yeah, you are telling that, me that Houston doesn't have enough denim to
0: save them. No, but that's my, that's my point. It's not about thickness; it's about the material it's made of. I, I, mm. I, I mean, I am not sure if they can sting through denim. I have no idea, but yeah. it's not about thickness. It's, it's just about the material. Just they, they can't break through it. So, I am sure there are. Like, I am sure, like, um. Like a parka, <laughs> like jacket, yeah, would probably exactly. protect at least half of your body from a bee sting. But you got to cover your head as well. You got to have something to cover that, mm-hmm. cover your hands, so on. Like, But I agree. It is kind of weird that no one at any point tries to cover. I mean, the closest to but... get is at the end when they are running out the building when the bees are attacking, is Michael Kane puts a blanket over uh, Catherine Rossi's right. like, uh, upper half. And I'm like, okay... Th-
1: But I I guess that just bothers me, the fact that they're talking about all these solutions to stop the problem as a whole, but they never actually take a second and say, like, what are the precautions that people can take? And they say, like, oh, stay inside, shut the doors. Like, yeah, clearly. But, like, if you're outside, what do you do? Like, clearly the best way to prevent fires in a home is to not have flammable things next to open flame. But if you're on fire, you still need to know how to stop, drop, and roll. Yeah,
0: it is funny, though, because it's the middle of summer, and it may have been interesting to have a plot point where everyone's dressing like it's winter to like cover all their skin with like as thick as
1: possible, you know, yeah, outerwear. And then you get like overheating and stuff like yeah. that. It, there's tons of stuff they could have done. It just seems like they decided they wanted to spend the time with Everything else they were doing.
0: There's also one scene where to hide from the bees, Michael Caine and Catherine Ross hide in a or or at least try to hide in the freezer. The guy who owns the place locks them out, so it's only him that goes into the freezer. But that guy's the worst. But again, that's another thing. Like, okay, cool down your homes so the bees won't want to come in. I don't know how cold you have to make them, but
1: I I mean they gave an exact number. I think they said it was anything beneath 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so so a little bit above freezing.
0: Yeah, so it's about, what, five degrees Celsius, something like that? Um, Yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah, cool. Admittedly, how do you do that at a house in the middle of summer in Texas? I probably can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's probably why they picked Texas, if we're being honest here. They're like, all right, we need it to be hot no matter what. There's no chance of, like, a rain front coming in and cooling everything down. Yeah, uh, meanwhile,
0: Canada's just, like, folding their arms, being like, ha, 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 ha. We're not even remotely scared.
1: Killer bees, huh? Well, have fun with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one of the things, actually, I wanted to go back and talk about is that... So, when they're driving, I think... I don't know if it's when they're looking for Paul or if it's when they're first going to see Paul after the the initial family attack at the picnic. But Mm -hmm. Michael Caine and Catherine Ross are in the van and she's saying, oh, you did not have to come with me. You've got important things to do. And he says something to the effect of, no, I mean, this is my responsibility too. And besides... I like being with you. You're the best thing that's happened to me since uh, this whole thing started. And I went, okay, that was a bit forward, but fine. You're fucking with an attractive woman. Yes, okay, yeah. you're horny. I get it, right? <laughs> um, all fine. A few scenes later, there's a scene where the, the military dude who's working for the general goes back to him, right? Uh, or actually, no, he goes to her. Sorry, he, he goes to Catherine Ross. She's, she's, she's doing more medical stuff in the base. And this this military dude comes in and says, "Hey, uh, the word is is that you're you've been spending time with with Michael Kane and that your relationship is now a personal one." And I went, "Wait a minute! What, what? They've had one conversation with like one bit of flirting. How in the hell has it become news to people that they're now in some sort of personal relationship?" That. There is no relationship yet. Like he said, one nice thing to her, and that's it. It's not. They've not went out on a date, and which was so yeah. infuriating to me because then he said, "You know, maybe wise to you know, because we don't know who he is. He may be involved in this. Maybe you shouldn't mm-hmm. you know spend time with them." And she says, "I'll you know I'll keep seeing him because I'll see whoever I want to. It's none of your business." And I thought. But you're not seeing them yet. You've not you've not went on a date. You've not even, like,
1: you had a van ride. <laughs> and he said one yeah. thing. I mean, this was the 70s. You're sharing a van with Michael Caine. Oh. There's going to be some stuff happening, whether you wanted to or not. I just, it, it, it annoyed me so much. Like they were
0: talking like he discovered they were having an affair. And all, yeah. they, all, all that happened was one flirty line of dialogue.
1: I mean, I, again, it just feels to me like it's the setup payoff stuff, except this time they got it backwards where they <laughs> forgot to set it up, and they're like, yeah, you're dating him, aren't you? And she's like, yeah, I am.
0: Forgetting the fact that there's been no time to, you know, date yeah,
1: anyone. Yeah, that's the other thing, is that much later on, like right before the end of this movie, uh, someone makes the throwaway line to Michael Caine, like, oh, you've been at this for weeks. What? Weeks? No, nah, this is like, 48 hours max. There's no way it's been
0: weeks. It does does not feel like time has passed at all. Uh, So, yeah, the end of the movie is they they have these, you know, speakers blasting this this siren noise on Mm. these little dinghies in the water. The bees all swarm out to the ocean because they hear all this, and then they drop... Lots of bombs on them. <laughs> that's basically yeah. that's it. And the they, the explosions, they off missiles. Into yeah, them. the explosions are in the background in a horrible green screen shot as Michael Caine and Catherine Ross have their final little. Is this over? Did we beat the bees? Like, we bought ourselves time, and maybe one day we'll win, but the bees could come back.
1: I I I just the exact thing here is hold on. I've got it. I've got Go hold on, up. Give us these <laughs> outlines he says, is this, a, "Is this? Have we won, or is this a temporary victory?" And he says, "I don't know, but we did gain time, if we use it wisely, and if we're lucky." Long pause. The world might just survive. And then cut to them <sighs> hugging in front of this fiery explosion as the ocean burns before them. Yeah, yeah. And again, I like you're saying. It feels like it's just dancing around like a global warming or a care about the environment message, but they play the bee thing straight, which makes it feel like they are genuinely worried about bees invading and killing us well, all. The,
0: the problem is, like, if they'd established that these killer bees have mutated and that they're growing because the environment's been changed by humans, then that message would make some sense alternatively mm. I also thought it was interesting at the start and I thought they may do something with this thematically is that they came to a military like missile base first and I thought oh maybe it's like a Godzilla thing where it's like an anti armaments yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. but then of course that goes nowhere like that never, that never really feels nah. like it comes up in fact they win by
1: firing missiles at the bees so they, that's how they save the day listen listen <laughs> the only way we can exterminate violence is it's the <laughs>
0: No, the only only way we can achieve world peace is through Mm -hmm.
1: the elimination of violence. Was that the line? Something like that, whatever. Except in this case, it's the only way we can uh, eliminate violence is with more violence. Just keep piling on the violence. Oh, dear.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's got some funny moments. It's laughably bad in places. Every time they talk about the killer bees... There's a good 50-50 chance it's going to be slightly amusing because it just sounds silly. It
1: starts 50-50 and it just gets worse
0: odds from there. The hallucination stuff with the bees is laughably funny. Some of the Mm -hmm. stuff the bees doing this, like derailing a train or coming for revenge, also pretty funny. But it's two and a half hours long and it drags a lot throughout uh, when I joked earlier, you could probably cut out the first 25 minutes and you wouldn't really miss anything other than the the, the tie-in thing at the end of, oh, they went to the military base first because of the sound. That's the one yeah. thing that you'd, you'd have. But otherwise, from a pacing point of view, it would be way better. You'd start off with this picnic scene and you could treat it like a little horror movie moment where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. the bees are starting to attack. And we don't know yet that... I mean, obviously, you go to see a movie called The Swarm, you have an idea, but the characters yet yeah. aren't aware there's that threat. So it gradually builds... And then you bring in Michael Caine to investigate and then you start to, you know, go from there.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Every time we watch one of these movies, usually they're extra reels, but every once in a while uh-huh. they sneak their way out of the main show. I, I always have this urge to just download the movie and like recut it just to see if there is a version of it that works, that has a better structure to it. Because mm. honestly, I don't... I think that the main problem of this movie is a structural one. I think that there's no reason for it to be two and a half hours long and what they do with the two and a half hours is essentially waste time talking about things that have no purpose in this movie whatsoever it's
0: also very stop start as well it feels like when the big Mm -hmm. town attack happens that should be like okay we we should be quickly ramping into the third act because now they're desperate to stop them instead Mm -hmm. there's an hour left and we spend time slowing down again to only to try and build back up and it just does not have that momentum in the build to we have to solve this problem despite the fact that it does show some good scenes of body bags lying around or the dead children in the playground you know like it has individual shots that are kind of good on mm-hmm. on their own, but they're very few and far between and a lot of the character yeah. stories that they try to play throughout just
1: fall completely flat. I think Erwin Allen, having directed so many of these disaster movies, knows the visual imagery and the sort of beats that are going to land more emotionally, Mm -hmm. like you're saying these body bags and whatnot. But I think he just kind of worked himself into a corner here with the core concept of you have to make bees this super terrifying thing. And he did his damnedest, but like he may have gone too far in the other direction where he was straddling a thin line of if he doesn't do enough with them, they're just like honeybees. And it's like, oh well, why should you be scared of that? Meanwhile, he went too far and had the giant visions of these bees appearing before these people as they died. And that's just silly at that point. Yep. Yep.
0: Alright, what are you rating? The bees or the swarm (laughs) brother.
1: Uh man, it's it's not good. It's definitely beneath a five. I'm just trying to figure out how many points do I knock out from that. Mm. Honestly, it's funny. I'll give it that. It's 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 a funny movie when you're, like, forced to sit and watch it, when you know you're going to have to go through it. But I think that most people would just tap out at a certain point yeah. because it's just not enough to keep you engaged. Um. All that said, I mean, I would probably give it... I'd give it a three, and two of those points are for just how much I laughed at the absurdity of what I was watching.
0: Yeah, it's got some good actors in it. It's got production value for its time period, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the technical qualities, I guess I'm saying, are are, are perfectly fine. You know, the, the, the
1: tech... The technical right up until it got into the editing room and yes. then all of a sudden that throws it away.
0: Yes. But I wouldn't say editing is a technical thing. I mean, I know it's technical, the skill of actually doing it, but I would say the mm. actual editing choices are more of a a creative okay. choice, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. Because um, that, that's, 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 you know, it's, it's like when you're writing a story, the grammar is how you, because, str- you know, if you just the same basic story told the same way twice, if one has good grammar that reveals the details in a mm. in a good order and the the right way, uh, you know it's all it's all just how you yeah. convey the information, and that's what editing is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but as laughably bad at points, It is over long. <sighs> I, f- I I I I do feel like a three maybe is just slightly too harsh, just because I think it is still kind of easy as, like, a background watch, because it is just... It's still got that kind of, I don't know, just watchable, safe Hollywood quality to it. So I I think I will probably nudge it up to a four, but clearly we're not playing in... No. ...great territory here, by any
1: means, so... Yeah, when you get down here, it's more about just counting what few things you have rather than... Yeah. ...the overarching... Oh, it was... An eight point five. I just feel it in my bones. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say this: the amount
0: I laughed probably gave it an extra point. <laughs> like that. Right. Exactly. That was probably what got up to the four. Was that I was laughing at how silly some of it was. Yep. Uh so there you go. So that's that.
1: In terms of the collection, clearly doesn't make the cut. But are we going to dock it a little bit extra from there?
0: Hmm. I don't think it's bad enough to be it cuts deep.
1: No, definitely not. So the the,
0: the debate is, is it just cut from the collection or is it one step below and to cut your losses? I would say...
1: If if I... I'll go ahead and put out my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think because it does have the comedic aspects to it to give it that sort of, like, cult bad movie Mm -hmm. aspect rather than just painful bad movie... I think it's just cut from the collection. I think there are people who would find this enjoyable enough in the same sort of vein as things like Plan Nine or whatever, and those cult classic movies to yeah, seize, get some genuine joy out of it. I think
0: it's just trying to establish what the levels here actually you know mean, and I feel like well that because we've we got the other tier, the like the really painful tier, so right. c- Cut your losses is kind of in this middle ground where I'm like, okay, is that is does that describe something like this which is really, really bad, but there's some merit to watching? Uh but you're probably, I mean, I, you're probably yeah. right though. It's probably just cut from the collection.
1: Yeah, I put it I put this raking scale entirely on enjoyability, ignoring any sort of like technical or anything like that. Yeah. And I think that this one is still a bad movie, but it does have something for a certain specific type of person. Okay. Okay
0: from the collection it is so that is the movie next time on 70s disaster season two we'll be Mm. looking at a mexican disaster movie called cyclone Mm. so all right yeah we'll get into that so uh, look forward to that next time of course i mentioned earlier you can get bonus content over at patreon if you want to support the show and keep it coming help keep the lights on Uh, We have two bonus monthly shows at various uh, tiers. Uh, The lowest tier, $3 and up, you get access to the Criterion Cup monthly, where we do movies from the Criterion Collection. This month it was Diabolique, one of my favorite films of all time. But it was Mm -hmm. the best of the best. It's that type of stuff. Uh, We also have the show at the $5 and up tier, which is extra reels, which is the opposite of that. It's the worst of the worst. It's so bad. Sometimes they're hopefully funny or good, but Mm -hmm. sometimes they're not. And this month we had a Neil Breen. (laughs) oh god Neil Breen um
1: religious experience
0: yeah odyssey I think was the word I was building up to there yeah so yes if that sounds interesting and also there's bonuses for the screams after midnight horror movie podcast that I do with Tim so you know go check it out see if you're interested and help keep all the content coming but that is the show so thank you very much for joining us everyone we always appreciate it We'll see you next time, keep watching movies, and if you can get it, it's always nice to have Diplomatic Immunity!